You've fallen down the rock and roll rabbit hole. All right, welcome back to the Rock and Roll Rabbit Hole. I'm Kevin Gibson. Right on, and I'm Butch Bays. And we are here once again to talk some music with you. A little rock and roll. This is, uh, we're going a little further down the rabbit hole than usual, I would yeah, say. This is a song that's near to my heart, one of my favorite bands ever. Uh, it's Fountains of Wayne's Stacy's Mom. A very, very popular song by a not-so-popular band, I would yep. say. And, uh, not as well cool known. stuff. I, I, uh, I interviewed lead singer Chris Collingwood in 2003, and so I dug out my notes, much of many of which were not published in the story that I wrote. So I'm going to be uh, using some of that toward the end of the show. Exclusive so, material. Exclusive material. Literally, <laughs> I interviewed him on the phone. So there was a... There was a naked man involved. Uh, there was gardening while stoned. So there's a lot of well. fun stories there. First uh, nudity on the show, I believe. It is. Uh, luckily, you and I both have our pants on currently. Yeah. So. Okay, good. All right. So we usually start with the opening ceremonies here. And uh, well, well, where did this beer come from? And uh, describe what we have here. came from Florida. Uh, my girlfriend, Cynthia, this is Hops for Teacher. So sad we didn't have this for the... Van Halen Jump episode. <laughs> right. uh, my girlfriend Cynthia brought me these back. Thank you, Cynthia. You're the best. This is an IPA with, I believe, Galaxy and. Sorry, no. It's Warrior <laughs> hops and yeah. Citra hops, I believe. Nice. Sounds like so, a nice little shall we? brew. Absolutely. There we go. <laughs> That's the sound I like to hear. Oh, yeah, yeah. Before we start a show, bottles don't do it. Growlers, crowlers, don't. Well, a crowler might. We're might pouring into some, some uh, British-style pint glasses that I've had for many, many years, and so these are my favorite glasses to drink from. Somehow, I've had all four for probably twenty years, and they've not gotten broken. No kidding! Wow, it's a lot of a lot pressure of for me right now. I've broken a lot of glasses. Yeah, be, be gentle with that thing. Uh, yeah, we're not <laughs> sponsored. By uh, are not sponsored uh, JWB Brewing, we are uh, not Jay Wakefield. Yeah, yeah, but we are not. But kudos to Jay Wakefield because they made a heck of a beer. Cheers, yes, they did. And let's do the rabbit some rock and roll. Oh, oh man, nice. there's a lot of flavor there. Yep. There's a lot yep. of flavor. I love it. They they did good. I love it. Tastes a, a well balanced in, in a layman's opinion. You know so. And now it's time for the feature we've grown to know and love, The Tale of the Tape. Stacy's Mom is a song by American rock band Fountains of Wayne. It's the third track from their third studio album, Welcome Interstate Managers, and was released to radio as the album's first single on May 19th in 2003, back when you were... Close to the time you were interviewing Chris. Yep. Uh, the song reached number 21 on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100. It stayed there for 17 weeks, I believe, becoming the band's highest charting hit in the United States. Additionally, the song peaked within the top 10 in Ireland and the top 20 in the U.K. and Australia. Well, so, like Canada. 
uh, I did. I didn't uh, do my due diligence Dang, on Canada. Usually, Canada's right up there. I bet they're in there, but I didn't get okay. have it on. No worries. <laughs> right. The single was certified gold for sales of over five hundred thousand copies, and was nominated for a Grammy Award for Best Pop Performance by a duo or group with vocals. Uh, the song was accompanied with a music video in which uh, model Rachel Hunter plays the titular role. It's titular. T- the titular, titular. The titular role. Am I saying it wrong? Anyway, it's titular. a... a, a <laughs> uh, that video has 149 million views. 149 <laughs> million views. About half of those are by me. Well, maybe so. <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of teenage boys. I got a feeling. <laughs> Stacy's mom was also among the first songs to reach the top of the iTunes most downloaded songs list. A very important list, I would say, at the time. Very so. important list, yeah. Uh, right. And just Stacey's before we move mom. forward, I want to say we, we've this month we've gotten quite a few downloads in Italy. Uh, have we? Following yeah. analytics. So I just wanted <laughs> to say to our friends in Italy, ciao and grazie. Yes. We appreciate you. Anyway. Thank you very much over there. I, I, I love that. Maybe there'll be some, uh, maybe we'll get to take a tour of the world someday. We'll I, make a stop over there. we should do that, yeah, for, for our fans. You I know? hear the coffee is amazing <laughs> over there. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so I, I've been a fan of, of Fountains of Wayne since their first album came out. And, and that, this was, I, I used to stay up on Sunday night uh, knowing I had to go to work at 6 or 7 in the morning watching 120 minutes i would stay up till four in the morning or three in the morning or whatever it was to watch 120 minutes to catch new music because you because you, you had it bad i, I had it bad you had a case I'm of the old now so uh, well yeah I was very young then, but, <laughs> but anyway I, I i caught the video for radiation vibe and i thought wow i like this that's a cool oh, I like this song. tune yes i like i want to check this. so back then i would what i would do you remember the old bmg cd club Yes, BM, not, BMG, yes. BMG, yeah. and so you could you could get 12 or 13 CDs for 20 bucks and join their club, and then they would send you a CD a month or whatever, and you just send it back. I just always send it back. It was like a ridiculous uh, deal to start with. You, but so, you're like, and so oh, many people would yeah. just go ahead and pay it. Well, and you mean buy their, made their money. Well, I would probably. just send return to sender, did not order. And oh, so, and wow. so and legally they can't do that to you. You beat the system, yeah. <laughs> so I would I would get in it, then get out, and then re-up under a different name. So I, <laughs> I re-upped a couple times under my dog's name, Toby Gibson. I think a lot of people did a, a, oh, a, a little bit of that. Cause, yeah. Toby was getting junk mail for a long time there. He got a, an offer for a subscription to Playboy. Did he? But, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so I, I, I rejoined, and I, and I saw that the album was available in there. The first album, so I said, "I'm gonna just grab that, you know, just see if yeah. it's any good." And, yeah. and of course, immediately I loved it. And like the the song I loved the most was "Leave the Biker." Yeah, Baby, please yeah. leave the biker, leave the biker, break his heart. Because I just thought it's a nerd anthem for, for any guy who has like been in love with a girl who's dating someone who's just wrong for her. And so, and, and this will come full circle to this. Well, Collingwood has that kind of. Uh, he sort of has that uh, kind of. Very emotional, fragile, vulnerable vocal delivery, right? Yes, so, yeah. yeah. So he and he and he Adam does, Schlesinger kind of both were in. And let's just stop for a second and rest in peace, Adam Schlesinger. Well, he yeah. died of COVID last April first, and with with the sense of humor that this band had, you know, 
it's it's no joke that that he died of COVID and he died on April first. But yeah, what it was a, a very what a early in the pandemic. People yeah. don't always realize what he did. He wrote you know songs for movies and for TV shows. He produced the last Monkeys album and wrote a couple songs for it. Uh, he had he was band. a busy. He he helped write that thing you do with Tom Hanks. You yeah, know, that was him behind that. He. He he was nominated for, I'm sorry. He was he won three Emmys, he right? Won a Grammy, yeah. Was nominated for, check this out, an Academy Award, a Tony Award, and a Golden Globe Award. Oh wow! There's some kind of thing. There's like a big four or something. Or yeah, so he was and right he, in there. He's right in there with all of that. So Man, crazy. this is a guy who was in this obscure band and had this quirky song, Stacy's Mom, as his lone sort of recognizable hit. You know, and so I just wanted to stop for a minute and give him his just, you know, his due because sure. he really earned it. He really deserves that. He did. So anyway, um, so the song, let's let's talk about the song. Okay. You know, I got the album. I got a promo copy of the album right before I interviewed Chris. Yeah. And um, I started listening to it. And that was before Stacy's Mom came out. And that's a weird weird album it's title really weird <laughs> welcome interstate managers it's almost like self-sabotaging in some kind of way in uh, a way or, yeah it's it's yeah alternative to be sure right sure. but that's who they were and yeah and it was it's so varied and they had all these different sounds they had everything from like lounge tunes to country songs and you know it was really i was just captivated immediately because I, I had also gotten their second album uh uh, oh, the name escapes me. Utopia now. Parkway. Utopia Parkway. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I was thinking Red Dragon Tattoo, which was the kind of <laughs> right, pseudo thing. hit off that. Yeah. But I thought that Bright Future and Sales would probably be the single. What an odd thing and to write about. I yeah. found out that <laughs> Stacy's mom was the single from Chris. Oh, nice. <laughs> he told me during the interview so, from the horse's mouth, as I'll, they say. I, we'll get to that at the end of the show. I'll read some of these quotes that that he gave me that he told me while we were talking, but. Um, so the song comes out and the video drives it. It's almost like we talked about this when we, when we talked about Jump. Oh, yeah. How much the video played into it. Because Rachel Hunter, come on, Rachel Hunter. Yeah, yeah. They just went for it, I well, think, and, on that. And yeah. we talked about this the other day. It's very much like a, a love letter to the 80s. It is. That, that's the, my favorite thing about it is is the, the, the Cars references, the Rick Ocasek, right. you know. So talk about, yeah. you, you mentioned this to me the other day in the beginning of the video. Uh, oh, they show a little kid that looks like Rick Ocasek. He's dressed just yeah. like Rick Ocasek. Yeah. yeah. Or Ocasek, or however you say it. Well, so, you know, and there's a, uh, there's also a, a story that they tried to get uh, Rick Ocasek's wife, uh, Paulina Portskova, for the lead role in the video. She's a supermodel as well, but which would have been an interesting kind of also another nod to the cars. The opening riff is a nod to the cars. Right. And Rick Ocasek actually thought that they... Uh, borrowed that or sampled well, they that. Did. Yeah. I'll talk about that in a minute. But yeah, but like, so the whole video was filmed around a pool, which yeah. is sort of like the Cars video Magic. Oh, okay. Remember the whole thing is filmed at a pool. Wow. Yeah, I didn't remember. And then that. Yeah. you've got at the end, it's literally just a direct ripoff or homage to. Of Fast Times at Ridgemont High, right? The Phoebe Cates scene, which we all grew up on, um, and so. But getting to the the way that they that they borrowed from the cars, 
The first song I ever played on stage on bass was Stacy's Mom. Oh, really? Yeah, first nice. time ever on stage with a band in front of an audience was <laughs> Stacy's Mom. And I did that on purpose because I loved that song so much. Sure, great. And I remember I was, uh, it was in a bar and it was very, very late. It was like two in the morning. And I remember. Best I time was, to debut your I was, skills. I was, yeah. uh, I was <laughs> interacting with a young lady. And. <laughs> Well, that sounds like some kind of legal terminology. Missed my cue, if you will. I was in the corner of the pool room, and uh, I heard my name. We need Kevin Gibson to the stage, please. We need Kevin Gibson to the stage. Oh, and I was like, I got to go. And I ran up there and played Stacy's Mom and a couple other songs. But, but when I was learning the song, this is a story I don't tell that often. But when I was learning the song, I realized the verses are basically... My best friend's girlfriend and the chorus is basically just what I needed. And if you okay. go and if you when you're done listening to this, folks, go and listen to the intro. And there's a dog behind our, uh, <laughs> our podcast desk. Uh, yeah, <laughs> um, Atticus, please go elsewhere. Uh, but anyway, you can go if you listen. Uh, you can sing along the intro to the intro of Best Friends Girlfriend and then when it gets to the chorus you can sing along you can sing the Stacey's Mom chorus and it's in the same key it's the same structure I love that I think that's 100% an homage that's just fun they did it on purpose and I love that and so that's what I learned when I was playing when I was learning the song I was like Wait a minute. This is the same as, you know. Same as these other Same things. songs I've messed around with before. Well, you know, they, they're supposedly a little bit of Jesse's girl intertwined. So I think well, that's yeah, kind of and, fun. And, and Adam did say that he had sort of had him in mind. Rick Springfield in mind along with the cars. You know, but to me, the whole thing is a love letter to the 80s. Because they obviously, they branched out into a movie. You know, and I, I just, and, and even like the. The scene, you know, when when uh, Rachel Hunter is like dancing on the table, reminds me of like a White Snake video. Very much so. You know, yeah, absolutely. Tony contained on the hood of a car. Yeah, it is know. like that. Yeah, that's what it reminds me of. So, but I think you know, talking about Adam, Adam was the the primary songwriter on this. I think he wrote the whole song. Actually, uh, I thought it was interesting that they decided early on to split the royalties even. They yep. would make the writing credits. Uh, Adam Schlesinger and Chris Collingwood. A la you know, Lennon McCartney. Yeah, 50-50, so there would be no arguments later. Or, oh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> but uh, I thought that was a smart way to keep a band happy. Yeah. You know, but, uh, yeah. boy, that probably uh, bought Chris Collingwood a couple of Chrysler LeBarons. And, and, uh, and, uh, and he <laughs> did not want to put it on the record. He didn't want to. Anything to do with it. I think that's interesting, too. He yeah. knew it was a catchy tune, he right? He knew it. And that's the, you know, sort of the twist into this story is he knew what was going to happen. He predicted it. And, you know, so they he finally relented. They argued about it. He, uh, he even told me kind of about how there was, it took longer to make the record than the other records. And he oh, really? That, specifically that's, that's what it was about because it wasn't a hit yet. We even talked much about it at all because it wasn't yet a hit. He thinks it's a novelty right. hit. He, yeah. he said that he, he knew it would be a novelty hit, and he didn't want the band to be known as a novelty band. You know, He felt that they were better than that, and, and he's right. They, they wrote some really, really interesting, deep stuff. So here's the, here's the twist. All right. Uh, a couple of years before that, uh, right before Utopia Parkway came out, they had recorded uh, a very haunting version of Baby One More Time. 
and the, the, Brit- the Britney Spears team, the Britney yeah. Spears hit, and because they just they heard it and were like, "This is a great freaking song." Let's you know, and, and they like, I think they were like, "We've got an idea to to make this something really interesting and different." Yeah, and so they did, and it's and it's if you look in the show notes, uh, folks, there's I, I put a link in the show notes to it, um, but. They decided not to release it because Atlantic Records said, we're going to make that the single. Oh, they so, wanted to make that the single. Yeah. And wow. so he said, quote, unquote, there was a lot of fighting over that. Really? And so he was like, absolutely they, not. And even you know, even Adam didn't want to do it because they were like, no, we've got a really good album we're about to release. They made it as a B-side for a UK release. It was not even going to be released in America. Whoa. They did and, a really nice job on that, by the way. Yeah, you sent that gorgeous. to me. You should go listen to it. Well, yeah. <laughs> Howard Stern got hold of it somehow. Did he? And <laughs> yeah. played it on his show. And it started to generate a buzz. Oh, really? And they were the band was like, <laughs> oh, no, we don't want this. And so that was, that was I think, what tipped off Collingwood when Stacy's mom, when their, their next label. Um, oh, oh. They said, we want to release it as a single. He was like, no, like, no, like no. Like Swerve or S-Curve. S-Curve, S-Curve. Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. So, so he, so he after, thought it was like the Britney Spears debacle repeated yes, or something? Okay. He predicted it. So here's what? the quote from uh, NME after Adam died last year. Right. He said, I tried to talk him out of Stacy's mom. Um, he actually said this to Rolling Stone. I could see exactly what was going to happen. And when it started happening in slow motion, it just felt inevitable. He was too good a writer to have that be his calling card. And the success of a novelty song means that's just what you are to the public from that moment forever. And he also said, when it was done recording, I don't think it belonged, I didn't think it belonged on the album, even on a record that was stylistically all over the place, that song didn't fit in. It sounded like a different band. He said, I knew it would be a single, I knew it would be a hit, and everyone else knew it too, but I was the only one who didn't think a novelty hit was a good thing. So he really was against it. Isn't that crazy though to think about having a hit a hit record, right? And that's what keeps you in the music business, right? Yep. And he's like so uh, afraid. But I mean, he's ultimately been somewhat, I guess, proven right because they do have a great body of work. And no one knows it. And no one knows it because that song was so much yep. bigger than the rest. I think you take that song out of their catalog and that hit, maybe almost nobody knows who Fountains of Wayne are, but they would have had a more sort of... Uh, even keel career with these radiation vibe type hits and you know uh they would have been probably a a a more respected you know for their whole catalog than they are now because they've been they're kind of gone down as a one-hit wonder now exactly sadly and so they 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 got a nomination for a grammy for best new artist they already had two albums under their belt they (laughs) were they were 35 they had already been dropped from atlantic which supposedly uh, sent colin wood into a you know tailspin for a minute but yeah Yeah. (laughs) so he said at the time he said people are watching the video and downloading the single but they don't know us or our record at all it's kind of disappointing it's a novelty song well then when they got that nomination they performed on the grammys and he was ticked off that they got the nomination for Best New Artist. He said, we, this is our third album. How stupid is this? He was ticked off. What interesting problems this guy has. Oh, we got a hit. I'm mad. Well, uh, we got a Grammy nomination. I'm angry. We'll, we'll you know, learn more kind of about funny. that when, when I get into my interview with him. 
He's he, in, he, he was very forthcoming, and I'd forgotten a lot of this until I dug this up. He's an enigmatic guy. He's Definitely. kind of a very sort of uh, melancholy kind of. He reminds me of like the anemic grandson of Howard Hughes or something, this guy. <laughs> he's a real. Wow. He's an oddball. Anemic grandson would be a great band name. <laughs> oh, yeah, there you go. Um, <laughs> by the way, it's titular. Oh, okay, nice thing. Oh, he also did. Well, I picked this. I plucked this quote uh, when it got big. He said, "Somebody asked him how it was written, and he said, Adam will be able to better tell you about Stacy's mom." He said, "And if you said he slept with my mom, that's not true. He's still just mad about the whole me sleeping with his mom thing." Oh God! But Adam did say, yes. it was inspired by when one." Of, and here's the quote: "One of my best friends, when we were maybe eleven or twelve, came to me and announced he thought my grandmother was hot." <laughs> And I said, hey, you're stepping over the line. But at that point in life, I wouldn't put it past anyone. He said, because my grandmother was kind of hot. <laughs> I mean, who th- who would have thought that could be the inspiration for this thing? Like, the song could have been uh, uh, Stacy's granny's got a nice fanny or something. <laughs> <laughs> I bet I mean, that would not have been <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> I, I'm like a little uh, uh, sad that I just even said it, but you know that that, that is such a funny. That's a better than a, a you know like truth is stranger than fiction. So yeah, all right. So check that out. Also, yeah. uh, I put in the show notes, folks. Um, if you have, if you're a Fountains of Wayne fan, you know this song. But look up uh, the Robbie Folks or look in the show notes. Robbie okay. Folks song Fountains of Wayne Hotline. Oh. Have you not heard that? No, no, no. Oh, no. I thought for sure we talked about that before. I don't. Well, maybe, but I, I don't. Okay, it's yeah. Look a, it up. Fountains of Wayne Hotline, or just go to the show notes and click the the link. Um, and it, it's if you're a Fountains of Wayne fan, you've got to hear it. Okay, you've fun. Got to hear it. It fun. is so good and so hilarious. Robbie <laughs> Folks is a genius. And then also, uh, Chris Collingwood has a new band, and the name is escaping me now. Something seven. Uh, it's uh, Look Park. Look Park. Look Park. Very weird, yeah. So, yeah. but the, but we. I also included a link to to one of their videos. So go check that out. It's very Fountains of Wayne esque because of that nasally voice it's, he has. Yeah, it sounded very much like it's, him. It's like I an mean, out, like outtakes of Fountains of Wayne, just you know, <laughs> a little more measured, um, a little less gimmicky from what I read. How do you think they fit into the landscape of the sort of? I guess they are they are considered to be in the post grunge era. Or I call it, well, call it, you know, the tail off of grunge in a way where yeah. record companies were signing like Bush and Everclear sort of, uh, I call grunge light bands, you know. And so. they were they were one of those bands that, you know, to me is, is power pop. Yeah. Um, and, but they, they just were just interesting enough, I think, that they had a little bit of that grungy guitar, a little bit of that, you know, like like radiation vibe could appeal to a number of people, you know. Power pop people, people who are into that sort of that movement in the mid '90s. You know, this is a band that's been around a long time. Interesting melody in that song. It's yeah, just, it's really easy to to get with, you know. But so. it's you know it's hard to argue with a band that, that has a song like you know, you curse at girls and and you know she's taking a sick day. Yeah, it's all story songs. And I wrote, and when I I'm going to get to the interview here in a second, but yeah. when, when I interviewed Chris, I. I said, you know, you all your songs almost are stories about characters. I said that that really kind of sets you guys apart. 
you know yeah oh man you know that's what part of why i love i love story songs as you know i mean you and i both have written several and we've recorded them with our band the uncommon house Lies, name and, drop and so a lot of those are collingwood songs correct the the story songs and both. the character songs both, both. yeah wow okay yeah, yeah. They, they both brought that to the table um but so chris went through a time when he you know he was drinking a lot and he didn't bring a lot to uh to uh, Utopia Parkway, he had some days in the forest, didn't he? Like yeah. where he was, yep. he was. He had some kind of meltdown in Japan. Yep. I don't know how you characterize it. And then he had some, you know, time where he, yeah, he got kind of. As you uh, mentioned, yeah, earlier that he just, you know, he kind of went into the woods for a bit. He faded off a little yeah, bit, yeah. yeah. But so he didn't have. A, it was almost like Lennon, you know, in uh, late in the Beatles arc when they he was just so effed up on LSD that he wasn't writing that much. But there was a whole album like Traffic and Weather where Collingwood was not very involved in the songwriting, I yeah. guess. And, yep. you know. But one thing that strikes me about Collingwood's uh, re- rejection of Stacy's mom, <laughs> you know, somewhat, he really did deliver that song, though, really oh, well. nailed it. Nailed it. I mean, I've seen him perform it live, like on uh, Conan or something, and he looks like he's in a hostage video occasionally. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, but, he did such a great job on that vocal and everything to, yeah. to make that song what you know pop like it was. And they're they're a really good live band here. They were. I you saw, saw them a couple of times. I saw yeah. them twice. I saw them in Chicago and in Nashville. So what was that like? I mean, what? Well, for were, me, it was. Were like they well a, attended? And for me, it was like a, a audio audio wet dream. But was everybody waiting for Stacy's mom, or were there a lot of? Uh, uh, it, true they fans? were more current then, so it was a little more fans like me who were into the you know the stuff that the other stuff. They kind of said it was a mixed bag a lot of times at shows yeah. where people there was a lot of people that just knew them from that one. Yeah, but if just think if they played today. It would be like going to a, a knack show and people waiting for a marshal. Yeah. It would. Yeah. And he knows that, and that's why he didn't want it to happen. He described it as a blessing and a curse, you know. Yeah. But, you know, I would lean towards the blessing side of that, but I definitely Absolutely. see the curse side on this. So it's well. just interesting to me that, you know, the kind of the, the point that, dro- that drove home that I, I sort of knew this stuff, but I didn't really put it all together, that full circle thing of they saw what happened with Baby One More Time, and he was so paranoid about that. Yeah, but he was like, "Oh no, it's going to happen," and it did happen. He watched it play out, <laughs> you know. So that Britney Spears cover never really did. Uh, did it ever really? It get got released, released on a B sides uh, compilation called "Out of State Plates." Oh right, okay, yeah. Um, but did was, they release it as a single ever? No, or? no, no. no. They, okay. they were no. Man, it was such a, a nice job of that, and it yeah. made it a really. Uh, it sounded very contemplative or yeah. whatever, you know what? Titular. <laughs> yeah, I think. Um, that's a, <laughs> but but I like but, but right after they did it, a lot of other bands started doing it. Like yeah. Travis did a really good job, but uh, Travis's version is almost just like theirs. Oh, the uh, same. Travis, song. one of yeah. my other favorite bands from Scotland. Ah, yeah. You know, hopefully, we'll do one of theirs. So this brings up another topic then uh, uh, about uh, Stacy's mom itself. Now, another band got credit for that song for a while. What was the deal there? Somebody covered it. Uh, I, I think I might have. I read that. that. Yeah, I yeah. can't remember who it was. Let me look through my notes here a little bit. Why somebody, got, yeah, somebody covered it, and for the it was a uh, bowling for soup. Bowling, bowling for soup. Yeah, yeah. Bowling for soup. Yeah. Almost like uh, took credit for that song, and, and yeah. there was a lot of confusion for a while. Chris was probably happy. 
<laughs> he might have been. <laughs> so, yeah. all right, let's cut. I'm gonna go to this interview a little bit. Yeah, I want. Yeah, I want to hear about the this. Show. The lost interview with Chris Collingwood. So this was this was June fourth, two thousand and three. We need weeks. to roll that kind of sort of typewriter sound and stuff as well. Yeah, really. Maybe yeah. you can find that and dub that in. Surely, surely. So June fourth, two thousand and three. I interviewed him by phone. This was two weeks after Stacy's mom was released as a single. Um, so he, the only so it was early on in the arc of Stacy's mom. It wasn't like a household. It thing. was not a hit at okay. all. all right. No, because yeah. I was kind of surprised. Right. Um, so he said, and I'll just go into the Stacy's mom part here, and now get into the, then I'll get into the other stuff. Good. But he said, uh, of course, now I'm not finding it in here. <laughs> but oh, here of it course, is. <laughs> he said uh, we were talking about stories, story songs, and he said we just shot a video for Stacy's mom in L.A. The character of Stacy's mom is played by Rachel Hunter. She did an amazing job, and it was really fun to do. She could just show up, and it would be amazing. She could just stand there. That would have been fine. <laughs> That's what he told me about Rachel Hunter. But we said, but talking about his time in the forest, yeah. here's what he said. He said, uh, in, I was a little burned out after the Atlantic experience, no fault of their own. I got married in 96, and instead of going on honeymoon, I basically left town for five years. Touring can be exhausting. They wake up at 6 in the morning to do promotional stuff. In my case, I was a little burned out. I was enjoying having time with my wife. I was really thinking I didn't even want to go back to that lifestyle. He Man. was thinking of quitting. He so, It seemed like in between tours, he was always evaluating whether he wanted yeah. to do it again. So he said, I was enjoying my yeah. garden, and I was finding it hard to write songs. Um, and so he got pulled back in. Adam was apparently writing a lot. So Yeah. So he talked about then about how it took a little bit longer to make, which I mentioned. Um, so he talked a little bit about, like, he's like, they've had critical accolades since the beginning of their career. Right. It just hasn't, he said, it hasn't necessarily resulted in sales. I'm not complaining. From the get-go, we first started thinking about even having this band. The goal was just to be able to do this for a living. As a drummer, as our drummer is fond of saying, it beats flipping eggs. Uh, nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> These are the kind of guys that could end up at the Waffle House, you know? So. Right. So then at some point during early in the interview, he, he stopped and he said, oh, there's totally a naked guy in the window across the street. <laughs> and I remember I said, better you than me. And he said, no. Not he so just much. said, no. But he said, I'm, he said, I'm kind of glad I lost my glasses yesterday. I'm not making out a whole lot of detail. <laughs> that was, that was my, awesome. That was what I misremembered most about this interview awesome. before I found oh, these yeah. notes. It was kind of a friend's moment, wasn't it? You know. <laughs> so um, baby's, Baby One More Time. Okay, I asked good. about that. Yeah. He said, we just did that in, in an afternoon in Adam's home studio. The song never came out. It was actually kind of frustrating for us. We did it as a B-side to a single that was coming out. Somehow it got into the hands of Howard Stern, and it made his show. Uh, so the label was t- talking about me hit the single, and we, he said we kind of got in a fight about that. And he said, I don't want to have a novelty hit because it would have taken attention away from the album. Then after a bunch of other bands started covering it, so I'm glad we didn't put it out. He said, that's the danger of recording a song like that. And that's wow. the full circle. He wow. knew before Stacey's Bomb was a hit that he didn't want to do it. He was already... So that guy's. Uh, he was he, telegraphing this to me. Yeah. I'm sure he was thinking of Stacy's mom when he was talking about that. It's all the future. So yeah, what a cool. Because I'd forgotten about that. So, it's talking about. I asked him about the story songs, and he he was he sort of hemmed and hawed. But he said uh, he had wanted they wanted to sound musically varied more so than pigeonholing a sound. 
He said, we wanted to make a record like the White Album that wasn't stylistically the same. That was at least the goal. Um, He said, but as far as a character study thing, maybe that's just the easiest way of thinking about songwriting. So he said, uh, in most cases, there's a character study, and the character is built around different impressions we get from different people. Not since the first record has there been a song written specifically about real people. The two that were written about real people were Joe Ray and Barbara H. from the first album. They use that kind of whole names, don't they? I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's a little different. He said, but it doesn't, he said, it doesn't have to have the person's name in it to be the person's character. So, sure. Oh, and so I asked him, I said, like, so I asked him what his favorite Fountains of Wayne songs are. Oh, good. And he good said, question. probably the best ones we've written are the two that you probably haven't heard of. They did one in college called Days of Old under the name Merlin's Wizard. Merlin's Wizard. I looked it up. It's not out there. It's not out there not at out all? There. Oh, he man. Said it's a spoof of goth rock. Whoa. He said another one is called uh, <laughs> is called um, Half a Woman. It's about a, magici- a magician named Great Scott who saws a woman in half, literally. And I heard them play that in Nashville. I got to hear that song once. Really? Yeah. Whoa. Whoa. They're taking on some wild subject matters that, you know, people usually write about what, like wild horses, beautiful women and fast cars. You know, these guys yeah. write about, they, they have put nothing off limits. It sounds right. like to me. So like he that. said that, uh, I mentioned, uh, leave the biker. He said they wrote that around a title. Right. Just what I, you know, how oh. I disgruntled shooter in the nursing home. Just a title. Just get a title. Yeah. yeah. Written down. Sure. And, uh. Huh. And he said, "And the, the uh, you cursed girls was a, the, he had a they had a friend who said something rude to a group of girls, and they just thought, man, this guy just cursed the girls. <laughs> and he just made that a song. <laughs> so it's crazy this stuff. So he was talking about he he said, you know, we're thirty five. He said, I've got a baby now. He said, now we're gonna have to go and tour to support this. And I said." And I said, maybe you'll meet some more characters to write about. And he laughed and said, hopefully we will. That's pretty good. So, yeah. Pretty so, I good. got a nice little uh, little uh, interaction there. I got a laugh out of him. So, that was good. Did he seem bothered to do the interview or was he kind of uh, no, he engaged? Cool oh, good. It sounds like he gave he was, some good answers. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he was very frank. Sure. Um, so, <laughs> I, asked, I ended the interview asking about two songs. Okay. And one was Super Collider, which is a... Uh, Kind of well, it would be a B, kind of a B side on the album, because um, it, it sounded like Revolver era Beatles. I told him that, yeah. and he said that's the best compliment you could have given me. Oh, he said nice. it's one of the few songs that isn't really about anything except drugs. Wow, <laughs> he said, and this is where it gets hilarious. He said yeah. it's about gardening while stoned, which I wouldn't know anything about. Drugs aren't cool. I don't know anything about that. But I do know something about gardening. I've got some mad tomatoes. <laughs> wow. So then I asked, leave the biker. So leave the biker is, it's literally about some nerdy guy who's in love with a girl and she's dating a biker and he's got crumbs in his beard from the seafood special. And I wonder if he ever has cried because his kitten got run over and died. Uh, right. You know, it's just a cute little silly love song. So I asked him, did she ever, did, did the girl ever in the song come to her senses? Did he get the girl or not? Uh, right. Good And question. so that threw him for a loop. Did it? Oh, he, he never said, considered it, did he? He said, that's the first time anyone has ever asked me that question. <laughs> I never thought of that. Wow. He said, that wasn't a true story, so I don't know. He said, but I assume not. It's kind of a pathetic song. 
I would assume he's lost her for good. Wow. But listen to this. He said, but man, did we have a rad party when that single came out. Really? It was at Hogs and Heifers, a biker bar in New York. Hogs and Heifers. Get real. Oh, my God. Perfect place to debut that number. Evan Dando came down from the Lemonheads. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. The guy who did Barely Breathing, Duncan Sheik, was there at the party. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Two guys from the Smithereens were there. Oh, wow. <laughs> that is a good party. He said it was a crazy party. Some guy rode his bike right into the middle of the bar. People were getting undressed, yeah. and the waiter ended up blowing fire at me. <laughs> wow. That was a private club of the Satan's helpers. And I said, Chris, that's pretty far from gardening. <laughs> what did he say? He said, we never intended it for to be like that. It hasn't happened before or since. Oh, that was the end of the interview. That was it? <laughs> that was the end of the interview. I bet he still talks about that interview. It had to make him think a little, right? It did. I mean, I whenever I, you know, Charlie Chesterman said it to me, no one's ever asked me that before. That makes me happy as an interviewer. Sure, sure. When, I, when they say that to me. Come up with something off the wall or interesting yeah. like that. Um, so, do, I mean, do you find that guy to be sort of a melancholy, kind of maybe a, a sad guy, you know? If, if he's gardening while stoned, yeah. And he went into some, like, in this song, he's talking about, like, mosquitoes that are as big as cars and stuff. I mean, he's like... Yeah. It's like talking about getting small in his garden, you know, so wow. it's it's really interesting. But He uh, just seems like a reluctant rock star. I think the uh, 100%. Their guitar player, uh, Jody Porter, said Jody, that yeah. he didn't think anybody in the band really wanted to be rock stars. I think Jody maybe does, but he didn't think Adam and Chris especially didn't care about that. Yeah. They just liked to record they and wanted make, to make music. They wanted to make their music, yeah. yeah which yeah. is kind of cool. So, so we have this enduring hit that... Chris is uncomfortable with, and he's a lot glad he's moved on. Well, sure. <laughs> Dude, still doing music. Probably yeah. doesn't want to tour a lot because he doesn't seem to be. He doesn't seem to enjoy that part of it, touring, you know, whatnot. But. No, and and I, I get it. We we did a little bit of that, just a little bit, and it, you know, we as much as we loved it, it was exhausting. It is exhausting. It's a lot of lot you of. You can only driving. eat out of fast food restaurants and and, and drink, you know. Drink forty-eight beers for so long when you get to be up in your thirties and forties. Yeah. yeah, that's another story for another time. But we never had a waitress blow fire at us, though. So no, we, but we, we almost had a we almost had a shot that got us our teeth knocked out. So oh, maybe, well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, that's the a whole other story. Shot, a whole yeah, other whole story. So, but all right now, so do you consider what? What do you think the question is? Fountains of Wayne. A one-hit wonder, ultimately, or does this body of work and these other kind of minor hits kind of like pull them a little bit out of that category? Or no, was they're, they're a one-hit wonder in the minds of everyone, but the, the the select few of us who have listened to the other music and love the other music. So there are like so many other bands that had that one moment, you know. And like, the moment was so big. Like the, to me, the Knack made a lot of really good music, but they had that one big hit that'll define them. You know, right. the Romantics made a lot of good music. That that 2003 album they had was fantastic. It's just a no sad one knows that song. That album you can't even. I don't even freaking buy it now. I mean, at least the music's out there from Fountains of Wayne, and 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 I agree. From what I've heard, you kind of got me listening to them a, a couple years ago, and yep. I mean the 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 material is there. I mean the the recordings the melodies, are so good. The, the melodies, play, the guitars, the stories. I love the stories. It's so good. So, so if you haven't checked them out, you probably 
would, would do yourself right to listen to yeah. at least, you know, interstate managers, uh, welcome interstate managers or Utopia Parkway all the way through and and see what this band really has to offer. I mean, it's kind of like sad to me that they didn't at least get a couple more songs into the public consciousness. Yep. But I guess, you know, they didn't uh, employ Rachel Hunter enough. They just the one. Fair point. <laughs> they, used Fair their point. Mo- uh, they used her uh, judiciously, I guess, for yeah. the one. <laughs> for the one thing, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. Does that wrap it up? I think that wraps it up let's for this time. A, let's call it an episode. Yep. We're almost at the end of season one. Yeah. What a season it's been. Started with Joan Jett. We're going to yeah. maybe wrap up with uh, a little Nirvana, it appears. So yep, that's what we're thinking. So. Lots of lively discussions there. Yep. And uh, well, in the meantime, we'll learn how to say titular. Titular. <laughs> Rachel Hunter is titular. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. See you See next, you next time. time. <laughs> we are Beavis and Butthead. <laughs> <laughs> At some point during early in the interview, he, he stopped and he said, oh, there's totally a naked guy in the window across the street. <laughs> and I remember I said, better you than me. And he said, no. Not he so just much. said, no. But he said, I'm, he said, I'm kind of glad I lost my glasses yesterday. I'm not making out a whole lot of detail. <laughs> <laughs>